Hi, and welcome to my podcast series, Student of the Bible. I'm your host, Renee, and this is my second episode in the series of this Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah. Some of you may know that I am currently in seminary through Kairos University in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Wait a minute, you might be thinking, you live in Arizona. I do. And thanks to online studying, I am able to study with people from all over the country. I am currently pursuing my Master of Divinity through the Luther House of Study School. I am awaiting God's timing for when I finish. Anyone who is bivocational and has worked on a master's knows that uh, time frames come and go. So we shall see. I know that it will be completed when God and my professors agree that it's completed. But in the meantime, I'm certainly enjoying studying and I love sharing with you guys what I am learning. So This is the second part in my series on Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was a prophet in the mid-600s BC. Now you might be thinking, because I've often thought, why would anyone choose the profession of prophet? I mean, honestly, bricklayer or even world conqueror, I think, would be a safer profession. But the Bible tells us that, yeah, it was God that chose Jeremiah to be a prophet, And really, before the foundations of the earth were laid. Oh, in Jeremiah 1, 5, we have what's probably a familiar Bible verse to you. It says, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet of the nations. Oh, well, that's hard to argue with. God knew Jeremiah pretty well, it sounds like. And he knows us pretty well, too. In fact, he valued us and loved us before we were even born. Before we or anyone else knew we would even exist. Which means God values us way more than chances are we value ourselves, which means we should probably trust God a lot more than we trust others or even ourselves. This podcast is going to be about why it seems that some people get away with sinning. But it seems when it comes to how God deals with bad, sinful people who seem to get away with stuff, we should probably trust God. So that's going to be the theme today. Jeremiah, what can we learn from his life? Well, just to give us some context, again, the book of Jeremiah, it's in the Old Testament. It's right after the book of Isaiah. And we know that Jeremiah wrote this book as well as the book of Lamentations. The purpose of Jeremiah's ministry as orchestrated by God was to urge God's people to turn from their sinful ways back to faith in God. And as I said, he was a prophet in the mid 600s. He lived from around 650 BC to around 570 BC. And during this time, a lot of world turmoil. 
Jeremiah is going to be a prophet for about 40 years. And as I said before, he's going to try to get people to turn back to God. And he's prophesying during the time in uh, the history of Israel where there's the reign of the last five kings in the southern kingdom of Judah. And uh, worldwide, there's uh, Babylon, there's Egypt, there is Syria, and they're really all duking it out for, let's be honest, world domination. But if you look at a map, the tiny country that's right smack dab in the middle of all this chaos is Israel. And yet Israel isn't so innocent here because they've got a lot of internal chaos and a whole lot of bad decision making going on, like turning away from God. And so not surprising, uh, society was deteriorating rapidly, both politically, economically, and spiritually. And God's word was hated. It was seen as offensive. Oh, yeah, I did say this was in the 600s BC, but it certainly could be said for today as well, couldn't it? Some things never change, including our sinful nature to turn away from God because, oh, we think we can do so much better without him. We see evil now, and Jeremiah saw evil then. We get frustrated now. Jeremiah was frustrated then. Jeremiah, in chapter 12, verse 1, says, You are always righteous, O Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet, I would speak with you about your justice. God, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? Ooh, good question, Jeremiah. Then Jeremiah says, God, you have planted them and they have taken root. They grow, they bear fruit. You're always on their lips, but far from their hearts. Yet you know me, O Lord. You see me and you test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Ooh, harsh. Set them apart from the day of slaughter. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and the birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. Oh, Jeremiah. (laughs) Well, let's be honest. Have you ever felt that way? Well, on which side? Sometimes we find ourselves so frustrated by the fact that bad people seem to have all the fun and get away with their bad actions. But then if we're honest, other times we may be on the side of thinking, ooh, God's not going to care about this little transgression. Jeremiah knew that God's justice would come. But when? Have you ever felt this way? When, God? Why, God? How long, God? Seriously, God? An interesting side note. When we cry out to God for justice, 
It is important to remember that we ourselves would be in a heap of trouble if God gave us what we truly deserved. Yeah. So, is justice what we really want? Hmm. Or should we perhaps trust God, the creator of heaven and earth, and his timing? Oh, yeah. Well, Jeremiah asked this same question many times. Yet, he still remained a faithful prophet for 40 years. And not because his life was filled with joy and his life was a picnic and everyone was agreeing with him. No, quite the contrary. But Jeremiah showed years of obedience to God's calling on his life. And this obedience through hardship and suffering, well, it made him strong and courageous. He ultimately trusted God even when he couldn't see or understand how it was all going to work out. He just obeyed. But to be clear, Jeremiah wasn't always standing at the front of the prophet in training line saying, ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. I want to be the one to give the bad news to the bad people. No. Recall from our previous podcast that Jeremiah actually responded with, Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. Okay, well, to be fair, it is believed that Jeremiah was probably no older than 20 when he was told by God that he needed to start to stand up to evil in the world. Okay, guys, how many of us are willing to do this? Can you see why he might have been a bit reluctant? Yes, it's one thing for us to lament in our own private circles about how the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but to take evil on publicly? Ooh, bold move. But he really wasn't on his own, was he? God assured Jeremiah he would not be alone. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 17 through 19, this is what God says. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you. Don't be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you but will not overcome you. For I'm with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Well, what were these people doing that God got so angry about? He told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 2, uh, verses 13 through 14, he said, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Okay, why would God get so angry about the people not being careful about where they were digging for water? I mean, does God really care whether we drink Evian or Walmart water? What's the big deal? Okay, look, what God said they had given up by digging these broken cisterns was, he said, They have forsaken the God of the 
spring of living water. Now, where have you heard this phrase before? A couple places. David, in Psalm 36, calls God the fountain of life. And then Jesus, yeah, Jesus himself, in John 4, verse 10, says he's the living water. So what these people were doing was they were drinking in false hope, broken promises. The cisterns could not hold water could not hold truth. The things that they believed to be true were worthless like a broken cistern. Now, farther down, it's revealed that the only shame these people felt was the shame of getting caught. As a thief is disgraced when he is caught, so the house of Israel is disgraced. They, their kings and their officials, their priests and all their prophets, they say to wood, you are my father. And to the stone, you gave me birth. Talking about idols there, right? They have turned their backs to me and not their faces. Yet when they're in trouble, they say, come save us. Where then are the gods you made for yourselves? Let them come if they can save you when you are in trouble. In Jeremiah's day, calling out what someone was doing as a sin was extremely dangerous. They were often accused of being a traitor to their people. And the people in power, like the kings, well, they especially hated the prophets because (laughs) the prophets were constantly following them around, calling out their bad behavior. Okay, have you ever pointed your finger at another's behavior and thought, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. That's sort of what Judah was doing that Jeremiah was calling them out on. They were pointing their fingers at the people in the northern kingdom because, remember, God had allowed them to be taken captive. And so they're thinking, whoa, they must have been super bad for God to allow that. So they kept pointing to them, thinking their sin was way worse. They therefore had a false sense of security, as if to say, God's so focused on their unbelievably bad behavior in the northern kingdom, there's no way he's going to have time for us. Hmm. How does God have Jeremiah respond? Well, he promises that these folks in the north that the southern kingdom keep looking down on is the scourge of the earth, they're going to be offered forgiveness if they repent. Quote, return, faithless people. I will cure you of backsliding. Unquote. Remember, this is God's desire to have a sinful, sin-filled people repent and come back to him. So few people during the time of Jeremiah saw sin as sin. But I ask, is that any different today? Sin at its root is unbelief. Sin is unbelief in God's promise that he is for you. Sin makes God into a liar. We're 
always looking for a better way, a way around God, aren't we? Well, Jeremiah begged the people to break up the hardness of their hearts and to turn back to God. Break up your unplowed ground. Don't sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you men of Judah and people of Jerusalem, because of the evil you have done. You burn with no one to quench it. Jeremiah, like many of us, ached for the world to repent. This is why he was referred to as the weeping prophet. Oh, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain, he wrote. Oh, the agony of my heart. My heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent. For I have heard the sound of the trumpet and I have heard the battle cry. Disaster follows disaster. And this is why he's so sad. He says, my people are fools. They do not know me. They're senseless children. They have no understanding. They're skilled in doing evil. They don't even know how to do good. So what does God have Jeremiah do? Well, he said, Go to Jerusalem and see if you can't find just one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth. Easy peasy, right? One person. No, Jeremiah could not find one person. You know, this actually reminds me of the story of Sodom, when not one righteous man could be found. Or even think about during the time of Noah, it was only his family. There was only eight people on the entire planet. So to put it into context, think about how important it is to talk about God to your neighbors. I mean, really, is there any better way to love and serve your neighbor than to talk to them about hope and salvation in Jesus? Here's an idea. Instead of lamenting about all the evil in the world, maybe we should invite them to church. A sobering truth is that Jeremiah in Jeremiah 5, 7, says that God held these people responsible for the sins of their children because he said their children had not been taught about God. Quote, why should I forgive you? Your children have forsaken me and sworn by gods that are not gods. I supplied all their needs, yet they committed adultery and thrown to the houses of prostitutes. Sadly, the people of Israel were, I guess you could say, spiritually deaf to God's word of promise, blessing for obedience. And they also were deaf to his promise of destruction for disobedience. They were deaf to the necessity of repentance. So how relevant, let's be honest, is Jeremiah's story to us today? I mean, he did live 2,500 years ago. The crazy thing is that God has chosen human beings like you and me, 
to be his messengers, just like Jeremiah. And honestly, can you think of a more important message than Christ died for you? We're all called by God to serve our neighbor in some context. And since there's no righteousness in our vocations, we can basically love our neighbor and use our gifts and talents any way we want. God uses all that we do for his glory. Some are called into teaching, some preaching, some baking, some raking, some into leadership, others to man a battleship. God uses it all. Even changing diapers or picking up trash is a way to love our neighbor and to honor God. And while you may be tempted like Jeremiah to question God's methods and demand his justice, it is important for us to remember who we are and who he is. Just like God reminded Job. Let's look at Job 38, verses 1 through 7. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? What were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And then Job Chapter 40, verses 8 through 9. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's, and can your voice thunder like his? Well, the answer is no. When we are tempted, like Job or Jeremiah, to question God's methods, remember, God's ways are not man's ways, which is actually a really good thing. God himself is the standard for justice. What he does is fair regardless of whether we understand it or not. We need to trust God and his promises. He desires to have us submit to his will and his ways to the glory of his name. Amen. Have a blessed day.